everyone. Dave DeBoe here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in from just over the hills, <laughs> Calgary, Alberta, Mr. Pierre Paul Turgeon. Pierre Paul, how are you, my friend? I'm great, Dave. Thank you for having me. And the hills are much bigger than hills, but yeah, let's leave them at hills for now. They're hills, and you're part of uh, British Columbia. Well, the Rocky Mountains are mountains pretty much anywhere, except for <laughs> they're hills compared to the Himalayans, I guess. But uh, all right, there we go. So, if you're not familiar with Pierre Paul, he is Canada's number one go-to guy when it comes to all things when it, learning about multifamily investing. He's got the website on it, multifamilyinvestingcanada.com, if I'm not mistaken, Pierre Paul. Bang on, He's, yep. Yeah, and cool thing is, not only does Pierre Paul do multifamily investing, but he really understands the numbers inside and out, because that was the field they used to work in very, very exclusively. So Pierre Paul, why don't you just very quickly fill in the gaps, and then let's jump in and let's talk about the multifamily investing landscape in Canada right now, as of September of 2021. Yeah, first thing, Dave, uh, you and I are educators, teachers, right? Anybody can do multifamily. You've done it. I've done it many times. And I've seen many, many people, regular folks, get into the game of multifamily business, right? It's just the limiting beliefs are what prevent people from doing it. So I want people to understand this is for anybody. You do have to have courage and perseverance. I'm not going to say it's easy, but that's the first thing. You know, you don't have to be like myself, a former CMHC apartment building underwriter. Well, that's the first thing. But in terms of the uh, the landscaping current today, the 7th of uh, September, 2021 date, you know, we just, we're still in the pandemic, fourth wave and all of that. Once again, I can tell your listeners in the last year, I saw a repeat of what I saw back in 2008, 2009. That is apartment buildings outperform most other asset classes that you can invest in. So that's to begin with, continue to do well with my own portfolio or my students. And I talk to bankers and mortgage brokers on a regular basis because it's my job. But apartment buildings fare very well during the pandemic. First of all, the majority of multifamily investors did not have to call on CMHCs if the deal was CMHC insured on the mortgage payment deferral program. Very few multifamily owners you know, recorded or re resorted to the uh, mortgage payment deferral. Mm -hmm. Secondly, our tenants kept paying rents at rate of 96% across Canada. Wow. So, you know, yeah. I mean, we weren't able to increase our rents, but, you know, overall, there wasn't an issue. And of course... Guess what? The cost of money remains ridiculously cheap. I refinanced one in June. It is CMHC insured. I don't always go CMHC route, but I tend to because it's bad. It's better, lower interest rate. And I took a five-year loan term at 2.01%. Wow. It's free money. Yeah. And if, if you consider the cap rates, particularly in my market, I'm in Edmonton. My portfolio is in Edmonton. But cap rate would be about five and a quarter, so two percent interest rate. So I get a nice spread of three and a half and a quarter percent in between. That's what you want. So the sky isn't falling. And Dave, I got to tell you, that's the same thing that was happening back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine degree recession. I was an underwriter still, you know, in multifamily department at CMHC, and this is when I had my big aha moment when I said, "Oh my gosh, people are making so much money! What biggest recession since the '30s?" And people are still making money with apartment building. That's what I said. When I grew up, I want to be a multifamily owner. Okay? <laughs> Quit Seriously. underwriting these things. Let's start owning some of these things, right? Well, I knew the writing was on the wall. That was in 2008. So I left in 2010, CMHC. 
So that's to paint it in a general brush. That would be the state of the multifamily market in Canada. If we go west, we know the west coast, Vancouver, lower mainland, those prices are ridiculously high for apartment buildings and the Anything above three, four hundred thousand dollars a door, which is crazy. Higher, you know, core downtown Vancouver, Toronto. It's pretty crazy with cap rates. Sometimes high two percent, three percent. You know, it's crazy. Montreal a little bit better, but they remain a sound asset. You don't invest over time, like over a short term, you know, return on investment. So it remains a great asset class to invest in, no doubt. Well, okay. So why don't we back up a little bit? And why do you think apartments are a superior asset class to invest in versus single family homes, for example? Because, you know, throughout the pandemic, we have seen appreciation in single family homes, I would suggest outpace apartment buildings, but that's only one of the profit centers. And why is it that you feel that multifamily is a better choice long term? By far, it is, and I'm glad, and that's something that I'll talk about in one of my masterclass that your subscribers may consider to sign up for when I talk about cap rates. But the big difference, as you know, when you move to the bigger sandbox of five or more apartment units or rental units in a building, it's called uh, the value of the asset is derived out of the income of the asset, right? And so you have a wealth multiplier effect that kicks in, which doesn't kick in when you uh, buy smaller rental properties, and let's define them one to four units. So small rental properties, one to four units, and my stuff is five or more units. And so that wealth multiplier is like a ratio depending on the cap rate in your marketplace uh, where you invest, but is somewhere between 16, one to 16 or one to 25 in a very compressed cap rate market like Vancouver or let's say GTA Toronto, all right? So what I'm saying is your job as an investor is to positively impact income and if you do so, and we can talk about how we do that, but every dollar that you increase your NOI, your net operating income, translates into an increase in property value of somewhere like 16 to $25 to use my multiplier earlier. That will not happen when you increase the income on a small rental property. You increase the rental income on a small rental property, one to four unit, you only increase your net cash flow. You don't have the wealth multiplier. But you know, there's pros and cons, but you have more yeah, flexibility. That's, that, that's definitely a big one. Now, also, one of the things that you alluded to was 08, 09. That was the, the great recession, the great reset. And what you were noticing was that multifamily investors back then were making a lot of money in spite of what was going on with the economy. So why don't you, why don't you kind of share your take on multifamily investing in good economies as well as in bad economies? So that's the pros and cons of you know multifamily investing in a bad economy. People tend to shack up together, so they go into apartment buildings. Oftentimes, they lose their homes, you know, or something like that. So, oftentimes, your vacancy risk state is diluted among more units. The example I always use: if I have a 24-unit building, I have one vacant unit in there. I'm still operating at 96% capacity, still paying my mortgage down, and still generating an income. So, whereas if you've got a smaller property, then that doesn't happen. Let's say you have a single home you're renting out. If it's vacant, it's 100% vacancy, right? So that one thing that really protects you uh, from, you know, in difficult times. It's just a more stable asset in that regard. And also the banks realize that. So financing continues to flow for apartment buildings versus when things can get tough in smaller rental market. That may not be the case, especially 
And at some point, Dave, as you probably know, when you invest in smaller rental properties, at some point, you're going to reach your max, you're going to max out your TDSR, your total debt service ratio. And the bank say, that's it. We've lent you all the money we can. That doesn't happen with my stuff or multifamily properties of five or more units. As long as you qualify for each loan, which is usually a matter of uh, having sufficient personal net worth, can borrow as many properties as you want. And again, if you don't have the personal net worth, just let me throw that in there, Dave. Find a joint venture partner that does, right? So there's always a problem. There's always a solution to any problem. So, yeah. So one of the big benefits of the multifamily is when, when times are good, it's good. You've got a big influx of people coming into the area. They need a, a place to live. They need a roof over their heads. When times are bad, you're minimizing your risk because it's spread out over multiple units. Exactly. Plus, guess what? People still need a place to live and they tend to need a more affordable place to live. They might be unfortunately losing their their home or their their house or what have you but they still need somewhere to live so where are they going to rent probably exactly and dave i want to add to that right i'm like me you're in the real estate world uh, day in day out and you just read the media what uh, home prices have increased by what the average home price in canada is six hundred seventy-one thousand dollars. i mean that's an average across canada it'll be lower depending where the market but they've gone through the roof since January, something like 20, 27%, something like that, right? Home mm-hmm. prices. So we have a housing crisis in Canada. And don't believe the politicians what they tell you, by the way. I don't want to throw any party in there, Dave, but they can't do nothing. The federal parties can hardly do anything. And that's yeah. the challenge that we have. So what I'm saying to you, Dave, is increasingly this country, beautiful country of ours, is moving towards a society of renters like it is in Europe. It's always been in many, many places. So you want to create wealth, you want to create money, you might as well be a, a landlord, right? A good one, that is, not a slumlord, but there are increasing opportunities in Canada that I see for quite uh, many, 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 many years to come. So, you know, that's yeah. that's my take on it. Well, that, that makes sense. So one thing that kind of threw a wrench in things for some folks were some new rules with CMHC and and taking capital out of a deal. Talk to us a little bit about that and how that's affected things. Yeah. So first of all, CMHC publishes, CMHC is a kind of corporation, you know, they publish their guidelines or their policies when there are policy changes, whereas conventional lenders, which is the other way you can finance your deals, which is non-CMHC insured financing. All right. So if you go to a private lender or conventional lender, they can do whatever they want on the spot. You don't know this in advance until you submit your financing application, whereas at least CMHC they published because they're a crown corporation, they published their uh, changes. So the biggest change that came, we've had two, and they're quite earth shattering, I'll say. The first one came, I think it was in July last year, so the onset of the pandemic, about what the uses of equity takeout money. So when you refinance, you recapture a bit of your equity. It used to be, and that's what I saw back in 2008, 2009, people could do whatever they wanted with that money. As a matter of fact, back then, they were taking equity out, buying another apartment building. Values were really much lower at that time. And you know, so that's what people could do, whatever they wanted with the money that they refinanced and took out of the asset. Now, it's restricted. This is specifically for CMH-insured uh, loans. So it's restricted to using that equity take on money for purchasing another property, building one, capital repairs, securing permanent financing if you had a construction loan in place, and certain other uses determined on a case-by-case basis. The one thing that they don't want you to do now with CMEC takeout funds is to pay equity back to investors, okay? 
to equity holders, which is one of the ways we would pay back our investors, you and I, in the past. This being said, what about enforcing? Okay. And I mm. probably, I got to be careful because, you know, I talk to people all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's your old boss you're talking about here. Yeah. Well, old boss and, you know, mortgage brokers, but really, how are they going to enforce that? So that's because CMC is not set up to enforce that. The lenders are not set up to enforce that necessarily. What it looks like, okay, and don't nothing is cast in stone. Every lender can do whatever they want. But it looks like at the end of your at your loan maturity, let's say standard loan five year loan term, which the lender will look at how did you spend that money, right? Five years from now, I don't know. They, mm -hmm. I don't know if they'll do that or not. I don't, you know, I don't know. But that's what I'm told. That's how it's going to be enforced. So that's the first big policy change. You cannot use. You know, equity take out money on a CMT. Well, so what is their justification for that? Why Why did they say that was necessary? I, I could read you what they said in their no, but uh, just, policy it's, advisory, it's but uh, from, from the street, it's pure bullshit. Can we talk like this in your podcast? Yeah. We can now, yeah. Bullshit. Okay. <laughs> it's a perception. They were hammered. First of all, interest rates kept dropping, as you remember last last year as well. They were swamped with too many refinancing applications, didn't have the staff to do it. But what they say here is because they feel that when you use equity takeout, so you increase the loan amount, take that equity out, pay back your investors. It's And I'm reading from uh, their policy change. They're considered that an improper use of government resources. Folks, before I was an underwriter, a multifamily underwriter, I was in charge of the default management and real estate department at CMHC for the regional office of Calgary and the Prairie Region. Apartment buildings are early default. To this day, I just said that during the last pandemic or previously 2008, 2009. It's a freaking cash call for CMHC. So what, and we pay a premium to get this insurance. So what government resources are you talking about? It's my freaking resources. So anyways, but that's the reason why this, they've implemented that. I think it's just, they're bureaucrats. I was one of them, forgive me. I didn't know any better as a, I wasn't a business person. It's literally apartment buildings are a cash car for CMEC. They rarely default. And I mean this, like I used to manage default and I was bored out of my mind. That's why it's transferred over to the multifamily underwriting department. This is no joke. I was literally bored. I had a few social housing projects to manage the default. Otherwise, there were no defaults. There are still yeah. no defaults. So Okay, so that's the first thing. What was the second thing? Second thing that came just in January or, yeah, January started. I think January came into effect. January 15th. CMHC never required us to get an appraisal on our deals, whether you purchase or refi. Now, any apartment building of five, between five and 24 units, they do require an appraisal. This too is somewhat earth shattering. The reason being, if you've ever watched any of my videos or my training, CMHC, when you presented a deal to them, they always dinged you on valuation. They always came up with a lower landing value in order to approve a lesser, lower loan amount. In mm -hmm. other words, that was a means to reduce their risk, right? So by not asking an appraisal, they had no freaking idea what market value was. And so they could arbitrarily use, like I said, a lower lending value to determine what loan they would insure, all right? Which was a freaking pain in the butt for many, many investors that are out there, or myself, mm -hmm. not myself, because I always knew the game how to play it. So, but anyways, that, I'm a different... I mean, a different kettle of fish altogether. But now, so that means what? The impact of that, I think over time, this is still fairly new, right? It's not even a year old uh, policy, that over time, hopefully, CMHC will be closer to market value. So as an investor, you're trying to figure out how much financing can I get insured with CMHC? 
You're yeah. going to be able to better estimate, you know, how much financing you're going to get there for, how much, you know, down payment you need. And therefore, for guys like you and I that raise capital privately, how much capital are we going to need to raise to have our down payment cover all our closing costs? So yeah. that was a big policy change uh, this past year. So that one's actually uh, positive. Yeah. That's actually a positive policy change for change. this one. I think so. Will time yeah. will tell, but I think over yeah. time should be good. I'm hoping. Very good. Yeah, there you go. All right, Pierre Paul. So you've got some masterclass trainings coming up over the next couple of months, I believe. We're yeah. at the beginning of September right now. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what these masterclass trainings are all about? And then we'll have the, the link in the show notes, you guys, because it's kind of a big, long, funny looking thing. So we'll put the link in the show notes if you're interested in finding out about that. If you're listening to this, you can go to Property Profits podcast.com and get access to those. So, but tell us about these, this masterclass series, Peter Paul. So the first masterclass is on September 22nd day, and it's about the magic of cap rates revealed. So exactly the kind of wealth multiplier fruit that we're, we're talking about, but I teach you about how banks think, like literally when I teach this kind of content and you're right, I'm very unique in that particular knowledge that I have both as an investor and former insider. So I take you inside the mind of an underwriter and an appraiser, if you will, how do we arrive at a value? Why? Precisely because you can be in a position to argue whether it's with your uh, your vendor, if you're buying, about where's how the values arrived at, or with your lender. And I've fought and won battles with my lenders over time because I knew how the game works. So, and cap rates are one of the three valuation approaches that we use, and it's the main one. So I take you behind, you know, the scene how this, you know, how bankers are looking at this and CMHC, and always my stuff I teach. Uh, experientially, which I give a concrete example of the wealth multiplier effect in that masterclass. So that's September 22nd. Second masterclass is on October 6th, and it's attracting capital for your multifamily property. Now, I'm not competing with you, Dave. I cannot beat you. You're <laughs> the best at this. No, no <laughs> uh, my friend. You're awesome. Oh, no. That's, no the that's law good. of abundance, right? If you believe in scarcity, you're going to attract scarcity. But the point is, I have a pretty good angle at this again. And let me summarize the, the following way. At the end of the day, when you attract capital, like you have been very successful attracting capital from a core group of investors. And the reason is, I know what they want. Really, your prospective investors want the same thing as your banker wants, which is my core area of expertise, i.e., what are the risks in the deal? How can you mitigate them? And when I pitch a deal, this is how I do it. And same difference, I walk through some of the tools, some of the questions that your investors need to answer and you need to answer and how to pitch a deal. I'm give you a, a cool tool there to do that. So that's on October 6th. Always 5 p.m. Mountain uh, time. And then the last one is on uh, October 20th. It's financing your multifamily deals. Again, going behind the scene and the various options that we talked about at a higher level just now, whether it's CMHC insured financing or conventional financing, bridge financing and all that, with, again, an example. I want this stuff. You know, I don't want to be just some guy, good-looking guy, flapping his jaws in front of people. It's got to be concrete and tangible and usable. So those are the, the three master classes that's on October 20th, Dave. Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So you're going to have the three of them. We'll have the link in the show notes. You can click there. That'll register you. One click will register you for one registration, I should say, will get you into all three. So people aren't able to make them live. You're going to have recordings and that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Right? They're going to get the replays. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. right. Very good. So again, the first one's going to be all about the magic of the cap rate and why that's so important for understanding how to value properties, how to make better offers on your properties, what kind of financing you're probably going to be able to get for those properties. Second one's all about where do you get the money, how to raise capital specifically for multifamily 
projects and deals like this. And again, Pierre Paul knows his stuff. He's been doing this for years, raised millions of dollars, lots and lots of investors with him in his deals. And then the third is all about the financing. So how to make the banks happy, whether or not you're working with CMHC, but how to get the financing for your deals. So these are all three very, very important topics for you to understand, whether you're actively already in involved in multifamily investing or you're thinking about getting involved in multifamily investing. Nobody better to teach you this stuff in Canada than this gentleman, Mr. Pierre-Paul Turgeon. So Pierre-Paul, thank you very much and look forward to hearing your wisdom on these classes. Fantastic, Dave. Thank you for having me on your podcast. Cheers. My pleasure. All right, everybody, take care and see you on the next episode. Bye-bye. Well, hey there, thanks for tuning into the Property Profits Podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes. Give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, Investor attractionbook.com. Take care.